Welcome to the Small Business Big Life Podcast. My name is Derek Van Ness, and I'm the lead wealth strategist and founder at Big Life Financial, where we use innovative tax and financial strategies to help business owners keep more of the money they make and be a whole lot smarter at growing it. We believe every person has something unique and valuable to bring to the world, but far too often money stops them from sharing those gifts. We're here to fix that problem by helping people get money out of the way so they can unleash their full potential on the world. Stick around to the end of the show, and I'll even reveal how you can be the next guest on one of the fastest growing daily inspirational podcasts on the planet. So let's get this thing started now. Well, welcome everybody. This is Derek Van Ness with the Small Business Big Life Podcast. Super excited to be here with you today and another exciting interview with someone who's doing some pretty cool stuff out in the world. Today's guest is Brian Winter. Brian, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Derek. Yeah. So, so Brian, just for our listeners, if they haven't heard of you, tell us a little about who you are, what you do, and uh, how people can connect with you if they love everything you're about to share with us. Yeah, sure. Well, I am the president of Soar Learning Incorporated. What we are is we're a small publishing company, but we publish uh, a very specific curriculum. It's a study skills curriculum. And both my wife and I, Susan, um, we run the company together and we co-own it. But our curriculum does the one, it teaches the one thing that everyone assumes schools teach, but they actually don't. And that is how to learn. Most of us, if we think back to if you struggled or um, even if you were a good student, school may have been harder than it needed to be during middle school and high school because uh, unless you happen to come across a really good teacher, you probably had to figure out most things on your own, like how to organize yourself, how to take notes. There aren't really any manuals for like how to study. And, you know, with both my wife and I having an education background, we said, you know, why, why don't we just write the manual on that and make it easier for our students, but, you know, make them more successful, but make it an easier path for them. So that's what we did. And uh, we do that at our website, which is uh, studyskills.com. Appropriately named. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Love that. Well, Brian, before we jump into your, your story and a little bit about your business and how, you know, what you guys have learned along the way, would love to hear, you know, what's your, your biggest piece of advice, best piece of advice, best thing you figured out along the way that you would share with another business owner who was maybe your best friend or something? Yeah. You know, there's, there's really two things. One thing that we do that we're really proud of and we work really hard at is we build systems. So just kind of ironic that I'm telling you about this because <laughs> I'm the president of the company. And if we gave out demerits, I'd probably have the most demerits for not following the systems. <laughs> but thankfully, I've got a great team that creates fantastic systems, follows them, and then gets me back on track when I don't follow them. But although I'm not good at following the systems, I definitely see the value in it. But not only do we create good systems and follow them, but we create uh, what we refer to as SOPs, standard operating procedures. So while it's important to have good systems, it's equally as important to have them properly documented. And that way, you know, should you, especially if you're a small business owner, 
the smaller you are, the more knowledge that is stored in each individual. And if you don't really have that well documented in, you know, somebody leaves, whether it's good terms, whether it's bad terms, whether they get ill, what, you know, and you have to go in and try to pick up the pieces. If you don't really know what they did or exactly how they did it, you know, that, that can be really rough. And, and depending on your industry, it might be potentially really damaging as well. So. Yeah. You know, this has honestly come up quite a few times, versions of systems or, or putting those in place. So I agree a hundred percent, but you, you bring an interesting spin to it because I see this all the time with myself and also with many of the people that I work with, uh, the, the business owners, the worst about the systems, right? Cause they're like above the law. They can kind of do it their own thing. And half the time business owners even tell me when I leave the business does better than when I'm there because I'm always going in creating all these messes. How do you, what kind of guardrails do you put up to, to kind of keep yourself in check on that knowing admittedly that, that you do that? That's a really good question. And so for us, not only are we big fans of documenting procedures, but we're also a very big fan of checklists and checklists are really uh, maybe a more casual term for an audit. And <laughs> so when you have checklists, then when a, a procedure is performed, you or somebody that's watching over your shoulder can always come back and just go right through the, the checklist. And, and we don't make them long checklists. I mean, it's like, hey, if this thing is done right, what should we be able to see? It might be one thing, two things, or three things. But what are those things that we need to know that this thing was done exactly right? And actually, so when I said I'm, I'm not great at following the procedures, what happens is, is I'll look at the checklist and one of the things I can't check off and I'm like, well, but I, you know, and then I'll go back and like read the instructions and like, oh, well, if I just followed the, the, rules, the system, yeah. then it would have naturally, you know, uh, fixed itself and I would have been able to check that off. So I would say uh, checklists to ensure that systems have been implemented properly. Very cool. Yeah. I have a friend who's a pilot and he said, literally their whole job is checklists. They go mm -hmm. in and it's checklist, checklist, checklist to make sure this is ready. And then that ready. Then this checklist for this and ch this checklist. Once we talk to the, the yep. ground control and yeah, he just said, that's basically what being a pilot is for the most part. Obviously they have plenty of training to deal with yes. all the other stuff, but, but that's how they create that consistent safety, which you know, I know some people are scared of flights, but apparently statistically, like they're insanely oh, yeah. safe. Right. So, well, that's because that. you don't have pilots saying, I wonder how it'll work if I land the plane this way. <laughs> right. Right. It's all systematized and it's all a ton of it's computerized these days, but very cool. So I, I love that. Now, Brian, you know, most people I know don't grow up saying, I'm going to start a business teaching people how to study. Right. So tell me real quick, how did you get into this? And maybe just tell me about the first couple of years of like, you know, most businesses, there's some bumps and bruises. Tell us a little bit about how that happened. Yeah, totally. Well, you know, we had, you know, since we were just talking about airplanes, you know, think of a really large, like 747 or like a military bomber style, you know, airplane those airplanes need a really long runway to take off. And, 
you know, that's kind of how this business really started for Susan and I. We were both educators. She was an elementary teacher. I was a high school teacher. And uh, she wanted to, um, well, she was always kind of doing this as a side business. She was tutoring and then she did, you know, some community ed classes and then she put it into a book and we, you know, so we were all kind of doing this moonlighting, right? You know, just kind of on the side, doing a little bit more. Mm -hmm. And uh, she had an opportunity to um, pay for a class that taught her about Google AdWords. Mm. I mean, this was a long time ago. Right. Like, right. I, I don't even know what I could tell you the year, but what I could tell you is it was a time when we were play, paying like two to three cents per click. And now I'm paying like, oh, hey, $4.50 a click. Oh, yeah, that's not too bad. Yeah, we'll do that. You know, yeah, yeah, the good old um, days. Yeah. But uh, so we kind of had our little website. We started doing some AdWords and, oh, man, it just started taking off like gangbusters. And so she left the classroom and went in full time. Then it was hire an employee, hire another employee. And then it was uh, 2011 that uh, Susan says to me, yeah, you know, like I, I we really need another employee, blah, 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 blah. And I, although, although I'm in education, I have an undergraduate degree in finance, you know, so I'm always, you know, running the numbers too. And I'm sitting here one day and I'm going, wait a second, you know, the gross pay that we're going to have to come up with for the caliber of person you want, that's pretty much what my net pay is as a teacher. So, let me get this straight. I'm going to go to the classroom and teach every day to give my paycheck to somebody else that's going to work in my company. I said, why don't I just come join you in the company? And we'd probably, frankly, get a lot more value and work out of me because I'll have a much more vested interest. And sure, you know, she was like, well, I mean, if you think you can stand being around me all day, then sure, we can give it a <laughs> shot. So so that's kind of like how I, how I came into that um, business. But, you know, there, it's not always smooth sailing. And we were you know, cruising along. And I think it was around maybe 2014. We noticed all of a sudden, like our sales were just, were dropping and the orders were getting smaller in size, but yet, you know, my advertising and all those metrics were still in place. We're like, what is going on? Mm. And I started noticing a trend that some schools were, many schools were ordering one book and one teacher's guide that we sold separately. And I thought, well, why would you only need one? But so, you know, I called the school and I'm like, well, you're ordering our curriculum, but I see you only had one book. I assume you have more than one student. Yeah, but we're, we got this really fast uh, Xerox copy machine. And it, <laughs> wait, I'm sorry. Uh, Dude, you know, we're just bootlegging you, your stuff. It's cool. You know, the material's copyrighted, right? Yeah, we don't care. Okay. So, you know, and it was interesting, but what that actually forced us to do was we said, okay, I guess we can't just sell like individual books and these teacher guys. So we had to package things into like minimum size curriculum. So like our, like right now, like our smallest curriculum starts at like for 15 students and on up. Right. Right. But, More um, like but a that, license that was something contract. I, <laughs> I didn't yeah. see that one coming until it happened. It was like, okay. Well, and kudos to you. You're, you're paying attention to the numbers and you're realizing, wait a minute. Cause I think a lot of people like they don't see that for six months. They're like, huh, our bank balance is coming down. Ah, it must be a bad month or something. 
they're not really seeing a trend or paying attention. And I think they get caught with their pants down. And if they don't have cash reserves and a few things, all of a sudden that adjustment period can really break them. So, well, you know, it, it actually almost did break us because, you know, uh, my primary clients are schools. We do have an individual, like an at home market, but you know, I mean, schools are just servicing so many more students. It tends to be the majority of our revenue, but all of our sales happen in July and August. That's when schools buy curriculum. Now we spend the rest of the year. My expenses are really pretty fixed when we spend the the rest of the year marketing and quoting and whatever. But the problem is, is once you figure out that there's a problem there, like, yeah, we can fix it right away, uh, but we have to, we're, we're like squirrels storing up nuts for the winter. We have to wait like a whole nother year till that next selling opportunity comes. So it, it almost broke us. <laughs> I can see that. Yeah. Your window. I mean, retail, I think is the same way. They like break even all year and then they make all their money in the holidays. And it's like, if you had a problem during the holidays, it's like, Ooh, yeah. Catastrophic. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's a very interesting uh, concept and, and an interesting thing. So you, you guys have mentioned also, I'm assuming this was an outgrowth of what you're talking about, that you went in and, and you guys have a, an app or some kind of learning online or something. Tell yeah. me a little bit about how that came about or what, what caused that. Right. So we had our curriculum in this book. And at this point, we it was evident that our curriculum was working really well. Um, in fact, the data that we started collecting um, we figured out that on average, students that use our curriculum increase their GPA by more than one full point. Wow. And so we were like, okay, wow, this is great. Uh, the problem was actually how we partly how we discovered this was um, my kids who were younger when we started were moving up into that, you know, kind of middle school, high school range where our curriculum is is really useful. And it started becoming evident, like, you know, now I'm not just this person offering this curriculum, but I'm, I'm a parent that needs to get my child through this. And I'm sitting here thinking, well, I know my kids, I can't just hand them this book. Right. I could sit down and go through it with them, which, you know, like I, I could, I could do that. But then it, it just kind of started becoming more evident or more apparent that, well, there's got to be like a much more engaging way to interact with this. And that really was also evident by the fact that both of my kids just watch hours and hours and hours of YouTube. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, what would this look like if? And so we basically took all the content in the book and we made it digital. So you come to our website, you just, you know, you create a little account, you log in. And that really just, to me, it feels like we took the curriculum from like 2D to like 3D, Mm -hmm. you know, meaning it just, now we can narrate, we can use video and we can check for understanding. So we have these little things we call interactions, Hmm. you know, so they're, they're, you know, checking their understanding as they're going at the end, they take a little quiz. So now mom and dad can kind of, you know, get a feel for, okay, are they getting this? Like, this is, you know, sure, sure. Um, and I did that. And so, so now I have my kids as like, they're like my, um, uh, my guinea pigs 
Right. So I'm like, all right, I want you to sit down. I want you to like do the first lesson. Like, let's see how this goes. And I'm like, oh, please work, please work, please work. Cause I've, you know, it took us like sure. a year to build this thing, you know, and like, here's the moment I felt like, you know, Elon Musk, like launching my first rocket, like this better right. work, you know, like that kind of thing. And he goes, so I'm like, well, I can't watch over his shoulder. I'm going to make him nervous. So I get him going on it. And I'm like, I haven't heard anything. Like, I'm like, I'm starting to get nervous. Finally. I'm like, okay, I got to go check on him. I'm like, how's it going? This is great. I'm on like lesson five. And I'm like, you, you just, I just wanted you to do one, you know, he's like, no, I know. I like this. I don't mind this. And I was like, well, okay. I guess that's a good sign then. <laughs> that is, so. that's so huge. Cause I think I, you know, I don't have any kids myself, but my nephews, they're all obsessed with YouTube and being on their phone and that's how they want to learn. And listen, sometimes they're doing a ton of learning stuff and other times it's cat videos. Right. Mm-hmm. But, but that's how they're engaging, learning, interacting with a lot of the world, especially during the pandemic. Obviously you guys were way ahead of that. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's huge. That's really, really huge. And what I, what I hear from this conceptually, like if business owners are listening is it's not how you want to present the information. It's how people want to absorb the information, mm-hmm. whether that's yeah, absolutely. your sales content, your educational content, your interaction, your audience building. If you don't listen to how they want to engage, it's not going to work, right? You're just going to be screaming at a, a brick wall and nobody's going to hear you. So I think that's really brilliant of you guys to do that. Um, so tell me a little bit about uh, like, Okay, you guys start off, you come into the business. Uh, a question that comes up a lot, because I have a lot of clients and a lot of listeners who, you know, maybe it's a one, two, three person business, maybe it's a solopreneur. How do you guys make that jump from, hey, this is me and my wife and maybe one other person to we're going to build a team? What, how did you guys approach that? Yeah, that's a, that's a really good question. And I... I guess I can only speak for the experience of our business, but sure. as we've gone through it, I've often wondered, has anybody else experienced this? But if you looked over time at the number of employees that we've had, you know, there's, there's, there's the curve of, all right, we're picking up employees, picking up employees. We kind of hit this peak and then we kind of like started coming down mm-hmm. and it, it's like kind of coming back to the systems what happened was we were growing, we were growing really fast and it's just like, Oh my gosh, like, like there's so much to do. Like just hire. Do they have a pulse? Great. They're hired. Like, <laughs> like you know, like let's get them in, you know? Yeah. Um, so we started acquiring all these people and we're growing the team. And now when your business is growing and the revenues flowing in, well, you know, I mean, frankly, you can, you can get away with being a little sloppy, Yeah. but yeah. then we go through the event, like I had described where, you know, people are like copyright, copy schmite. I don't you know, <laughs> whatever. This is fine. That's, that's more of a suggestion than really a law, you know? So, um, so that kind of forced us to like lean up a little bit. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it forced us to look at systems a little bit more and it forced us to kind of become more efficient. And then what also then would start to happen is, you know, an employee leaves and we start to think about it. We're like, well, 
okay, what did they do? And do we need to completely rehire that? Or is there like, but can we absorb some of those things? But there's, there's one thing that, okay, actually this, this is really funny. So when Susan and I uh, were, we're kind of the, the, the C-suite, right? So we're kind of planning, you know, we should have a, we should have a quarterly meeting with our entire team every quarter, you know? Well, the reality is, is that we only get around to doing that about once per year. So it's affectionately become, uh, we call it our quarterly annual meeting. Right. But one of the things that we do in this meeting is we have all of our um, uh, employees, including ourselves, and we make a list of what are the top three like tasks or things you do in your job that you really love. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I'm not talking about like, uh, you know, like benefits of like, Oh, I like that. I can bring my dog to work. No, but like, like what parts of actually doing your job? Right. What's and, the work? You know, so one employee might go, you know, I really like types of tasks where like, I just love having a list that I can attack and just check off, check off, check off. Like, and I feel so accomplished when mm-hmm. I go home and I'm like, yes, you know, I got through that. Um, so, you know, things like that. Well, then we also put in this little survey. What are three functions of your job that you really don't like? And and we give people space. We say, like, it's okay. It's okay. Yeah. Just be honest. Well, then... Every time we do this as a team, we're sharing all of our lists and every single time, at least once, and sometimes more than once, somebody has something on their list that is like, I hate doing this thing. But then you have somebody else on the team. That's like, really? Like, I don't, that wouldn't bother me to do that. You know, it's like, Mm -hmm. you want it, it's yours, you know? And so that was one thing that by doing that, we were able to kind of start to move things around that was increasing happiness in our employees. It was also inadvertently, we weren't even planning this, but inadvertently kind of introducing like some cross training because right. mm-hmm. the person that's letting go of that function, maybe they're glad that they let it go, but you know what? They still kind of know something about that system or how it works sure. or could They've help been out. Doing it. Yeah, and, yeah. and then also, I just think if you're, when you're working in a space and you're doing more of what you like and less of what you don't like, I think you're kind of building in um, just efficiency naturally because you don't have all these things like, you know, cause we all have those things of where we're like, Oh, I don't want to do that. Yeah. There's gotta be something else around this office I could do to, as an excuse to not have to go do that thing or, I mean, you know, like, Oh, so. I totally know. Yeah. 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 I literally um, just did an activity index of all my activities each day for the last week just to start re-identifying, like, what are the best uses of my time? Where am I being wasteful? What are things that I can delegate? So, and uh, offloading some of the stuff that I hate, for sure, mm -hmm. uh, because it's exactly what you're saying, like, just getting really clear on what am I great at, what am I not so great at, and just keeping that as lean as we can. So, totally love it. Um, and I, I love the little, the little interplay, you know, of mm-hmm. your, your quarterly annually meeting, just having people trade some of those things off. I think it's great. I think it's great to, 
to really keep people engaged in things that they want to do, just like you were talking about with the education. So super brilliant um, and, and fun stuff there. Well, um, now I want to throw this in there. You mentioned that you, you, know, you obviously have your, your business here. You also do some other things, right? So you have some other businesses or some other mm-hmm. things we talked specifically about, some of your, your investing interests and things of that mm-hmm. sort. How do you feel like there's a cross play between like having outside interests versus your business? Do you ever find that there's value in some of those things? I think a lot of people are like, focus, focus, focus. And I like that. But I also think there's value in having some outside things. I'm interested in your thoughts of like, how does engaging in some of these outside activities, these, I mean, there's a Bitcoin thing behind your head. So clearly mm-hmm. you've got some, some interest in things of that sort. How do you feel like that plays into your business? Yeah, well, so I, I I did start up a um, I guess you could say like a like a kind of a side gig, almost like a consulting uh, business around cryptocurrency. But um, you know, I never really, frankly, could have done that if it wasn't for having my education business. Just mm-hmm. from the standpoint of when I started looking at all the things I wanted to do with cryptocurrency, which was really, I wanted to, I wanted to educate people how to get into that space. And then I was kind of sitting here like, well, wait, I, I own an education publishing business. <laughs> yeah. I, I might be able to do this. <laughs> so sure. it, I found it was, you know, really quite easy to like, okay, well, I can throw up a website, I can create content, I've got a, a learning platform, I've got, you know, so, um, you know, kind of that, especially when you're an entrepreneur, kind of a, and you know, like a small business owner, you know, mm-hmm. you, you, you're, you, you kind of wear all the hats. So it just made, made it easy, made it much easier to kind of like start a, a second business, if you will, because, well, I was kind of experienced in, um, all the things that it takes to get a business, you know, off the ground. Um, yeah. So, I mean, it was, I'll say it was really helpful for me launching a second business in addition to, you know, our education business. Um, I think it's funny because I, I don't have any specific examples of how it's come back for me way. personally. Mm-hmm to help me in the education business. But what I could, what I can tell you is I also wouldn't have had the time and space to go even, or even dream about starting a second business if I didn't have things in place that my team could support me stepping away from maybe 60% of, you know, my work days to go do something else instead of what I normally do. Yeah. Yeah. And the the other huge takeaway, I, actually, I can share this, is it was amazing to me how when there was this really big carrot that I wanted to go do this other business, mm-hmm. how it could carve out, seriously, 60% of the stuff out of my schedule that I now sit there and think, so... Was I just doing that because, well, I don't know, there wasn't anything better to do. And I guess if I... Uh, have, if my schedule feels full, then I feel like I'm, you know, doing well, or I'm doing everything that I should be, you know, but like now I'm re- realized, oh, so this is really the only 40% that really mattered. I was just filling time with everything else, you know? Yeah. I keep going back to that scene in office space where they're like, so 
So you work with the engineers? Well, no, not really. Well, you, you work with the, the managers? Not, not really, no, but I'm good with people. What I do is important. And basically it came out that he just carries the paper from one office to the other, right? right. Like that's his job. I, I think their question to him was, so what is it exactly you'd say that you do here? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. man, that's, that's a really great show. Mr. Mm-hmm. Naga, Naga, not going to work here anymore. Yeah, not going to work here anymore. <laughs> oh man, that's just terrible. Uh, that's uh, the worst part of consultants. But mm-hmm. uh, anyway, so you keep saying things like that. Where, but I, I get the point where you're like, hey, you know what? This happened to me. I broke a femur back in 2006 mm. while I was snowboarding, and you realize like all this other stuff I do really doesn't create that much. Um, and I'm going to be honest with you, we're going through that right now with my business. I did a bunch of stuff in 2020 that was a ton of activity and like this much production. And I'm just like, yeah, that's on the chopping block. We can't do that because mm-hmm. I was spending so much time and it was really fun and I enjoyed it and it was cool and and it created very little money. And I was like, huh, I should probably stick to the stuff that really like impacts people instead of the stuff that's like, you know, fluffy for me and keeps me busy and my my tail feathers up and showing. So yeah. Very interesting stuff. So I'm, I appreciate you sharing that because I think a lot of business owners, if we really got serious about it, there's a ton of stuff that we do that's kind of fluffy. Yeah. So. Yeah, for sure. Well, cool, Brian. You have shared a wealth of knowledge and a ton of stuff. I appreciate you getting really specific on some of the things because I think there's so much value in understanding what actually goes on on the field in reality, not just in theory, like when you read a book. Uh, so if, if people want to uh, engage with you or your business or, you know, they, they've got kids who need to learn some of this stuff so that they can do better in school, uh, where can they find you again? What's the best way to engage with you? Yeah, it's really just to come to our website, studyskills.com. And as soon as you come, you'll see right along the top, if you're a parent, just go to right to the, you know, parent section. And we have a lot of stuff. We have, in fact, I think we, my, my web team's always all over me. They're like, you know, you're getting, your website's kind of getting hard to manage. Cause I think we have like over 400 articles on our website. So wow. um, we have plenty of stuff to read. Um, and if you uh, even just sign up for our um, six steps to conquer the chaos, it's, it's just a little opt-in on the page. You're going to get a ton of information and free tips and, um, you know, that would just be just a great spot to, to get started. Fantastic. Well, I, I really appreciate you sharing that and giving some, mm-hmm. some specifics there, because I think you told me before the show, there's a handful of things that parents can do for their kids that will just be game changers. And it sounds like that report does break some of that down for them. So the last thing I want to do, Brian, is uh, everybody who comes on the show, I like to give you 30, 60, 90 seconds to say anything you want to say related to what we've talked about or not. I just feel like, you know, everybody's got a message. Everybody's got things that they think are important in the world, whether it's related to business or, or finance or education or whatever. But uh, maybe just, is there anything that's on your mind that you'd love to share with the audience? Yeah, you know, um, so I I have two titles actually in our business. I'm the president, but I'm also the self-proclaimed, although it is on my business card, uh, director of fun. Mm. And the reason for that is, you know, I really believe no matter what we do, 
you know, you have to take time to take care of yourself. Sometimes that might be an individual activity. It might just be like, Hey, you know, from this day forward, I'm taking Friday afternoons to myself or Saturday mornings, or it might be, I'm going to treat myself to a day at the spa or a massage or something like whatever's going to make, maybe it's just going out to the golf course, you know, but something mm-hmm. that's going to make you happy. But then also thinking about the people that are most important to you in your life. That could be spouse, kids, friends, parents, nieces, nephews, whatever, and spending time with them. Because, you know, sometimes I think, as entrepreneurs, we can just get so focused on like, like, Oh, I just have to push a little bit harder. And you know what, it, it, it'll be much easier in just 30 or 60 more days, but we're perpetually kicking that 30 and 60 days out. Mm-hmm. And it's just, I think it's so easy for, you know, all of a sudden we blink a decade's gone by and it's like, we've forgotten to stop and smell the roses or just have some fun. So, um, I literally, I do this in, in our, our team, we have sore fun days where we go and do an escape room or bowling or, you know, something just we're no, we're not working today. Mm-hmm. And in fact, we have this joke that we get more orders from schools on days when we're doing a sore fun day. And we, you know, are like, well, that's the, that's the universe telling us to go have some more fun. So I would just encourage everyone to make sure that you're taking care of yourself and your loved ones by just, just taking care of yourself and, and making sure that you enjoy life and not, you're not focused on, Oh, I'll enjoy life later. Yeah. Enjoy it today. I agree. 100% hard to remember that sometimes during the pandemic, Mm -hmm. because there's a little less fun out there, but taking time is absolutely vital. So thank you for the reminder, because I don't think it gets said often enough. A lot of these shows are like, go, 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 go. Right. Gary V, hustle, hustle. You don't need a weekend. You're great. You're powerful. Blast through that brick wall. And it's like, there is a place for that, but there's also like, Mm -hmm. hey, why am I busting through the brick wall so that I can spend time with the people that I love? I've coached money long enough to know that all people really want is for money is security and the ability to spend time and meaningful experiences with people they love. That's it. Mm -hmm. If you don't have those, the money doesn't matter. And if you have those, well, the money doesn't matter. So, <laughs> so ultimately right. it's a mean to an end, means to an end. So Brian, been absolutely a blast talking with you today. Thank you for all your wealth of knowledge. And uh, I just, I really appreciate you being on the show. Uh, it's my, been all my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to the Small Business Big Life Show. If you're a six or seven figure business owner who'd like to be on the show, we'd love to talk about it. Just visit biglifefinancial.com slash guest to get the ball rolling. And if you heard something you loved on the show today, don't be shy about sharing it. And if you do, be sure to use the hashtag smallbusinessbiglife so we can see that you're sharing the love. And heck, if we swoon over your post, we might even pass it on to our many thousands of followers to help share the love and the spotlight with you. Speaking of love, if you like today's show, be sure to hit that subscribe button. You know why? Because then you'll never miss another episode and you can get all the motivation, inspiration, and insights with every new episode. Also, if you want to see everything else we're up to on YouTube, social media, or even in real life, you can always visit us at biglifefinancial.com. Well, that's it for today. My name's Derek Van Ness, and I want to personally thank you for being a part of the small business Big Life movement. Now get out there. Create more than you consume, love people more than you need to, and believe in magic because yes, it does exist.